Good morning. If you're joining us on Zoom or in person, welcome. Um, Chris, can you hear me well on Zoom? Okay, great. And the cheap seats back there, can you guys hear me? All right, great. What's that? Now you do. Now you do. Okay, <laughs> good. Well, I'm not going to yell the whole time, so I don't know why I asked them in that way. That probably wasn't best. Um, so we're, we're trying out this way of doing a, a scaled back service potentially once a month, as Travis said, so as not to um, burn out anyone. This has been a, a wearying season for lots of people. Uh, I, I know for me, and I've talked to others who feel this way, you can get a full night's sleep and then the next day you still find yourself tired. This season is so strange and it just keeps going. There is no end in sight. And so even as a church, we're trying to find ways to rest as Jesus calls us to rest. You know, there are times where God would call us just to push through difficulty and to keep going. But there are other times where he wants us to stop and to rest. And so as a church, we need to find times of doing that too. Uh, I think churches are sometimes expected never to stop, just to keep going. And that's not actually the way of being with Christ and of following Christ. So as a church, we're going to find disciplines, rhythms within our own life together to rest. Now, if you can't hear us well this morning, we're going to keep working on how to do this well. Um, but this is the, the first shot at it. Now, we looked at Jesus's call in Matthew uh, chapter 11 that we just heard. We looked at this passage several weeks ago in talking about the idea of Sabbath and rest. And I, I didn't realize at that time that the passage was going to come up again so quickly in the lectionary readings. And so at that time, I chose the passage. This Sunday, I'm just following along with the lectionary. And I'm receiving it as a gift that we get to hear Jesus is calling us again into his rest, especially in this time when so many people are feeling tired, physically, emotionally, and spiritually tired. Now, the situation when Jesus extends this invitation is so, somewhat ironic. Jesus has just left several cities where he proclaimed the message of the kingdom, where he proclaimed himself as embodying the kingdom of God. And these cities thoroughly rejected him. They thoroughly rejected him. He called them to repentance, and they refused to repent. He performed healings there, but, you know, like lots of occasions where Jesus performed healings, it was either the wrong time or the wrong place. Something was wrong with the way Jesus did it. You know, Jesus's religious and political environments were a lot like ours today in that it did not take much to offend or to cross someone and find yourself quickly rejected and ostracized. This is what's happened to Jesus. And we hear in the beginning of our passage, at that time, which that doesn't sound like a very important phrase. It sounds like just a throwaway introductory phrase to the rest of the passage. But it's important because this phrase is telling us the timing of what Jesus does when he's rejected. In other words, it's saying this is what Jesus did when he felt rejected and ostracized at that time. And right after this introductory phrase, we're invited to eavesdrop on Jesus's prayer to the Father. Now, I want you to listen to this prayer again 
And I'd like you to pay attention to something specific. I want you to pay attention to the number of times that the words son and father are used in Jesus's prayer. The words son and father. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Now, Jesus then quickly he shifts from prayer to this invitation that we heard come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light now did you notice how many times the word father was used how many did you get five Okay, I'm glad we're on the same page. How about son? Three. Ed's got three there. Good. Now, there's another word, two words, actually, that are similar to son. Now, we didn't count this, but it's little children. Little children. Now, what, what is all this adding up to? Jesus is a son. He's what you can really call the perfect child. And if you want to be fancy, the child par excellence. What does Jesus do? What does the perfect son do when he is rejected? He goes to his father and he thanks him for the secure relationship that they share. He goes to his father and he thanks him for the secure relationship they share. And then Jesus gives this invitation. Come to me. Jesus's invitation to come to him and to rest is an invitation to be a child of the Father with him. The invitation to rest is an invitation to come and be a child of the Father with Jesus. So here's what I, I want to spend the rest of the time talking about. What does it mean to be a child of God? What does it mean to be a child of God? And I, I'm going to look quickly at two sides to this. It means two things. It means dependence and security. Dependence and security. First, dependence. Jesus says in his prayer that the Father has hidden certain things from the wise and the understanding, but he's revealed them to little children. The things he seems to be talking about that are hidden are, one, his own identity as the Son of God, God in the flesh. Many people don't recognize this about Jesus, especially those who are known as wise and understanding. Two, the other thing that seems to be hidden is what the kingdom is, of God is like. So for instance, that the kingdom of God is a place for the weak and the lowly. That in the kingdom of God, the last there shall be first and the first shall be last. This too is hidden from this group, the wise and the understanding, but it's revealed to another group, little children. What Jesus is talking about here is the idea of dependence, of being dependent. The wise and understanding are not simply people who try to make good, well-informed decisions about uh, finances or um, work or something like that. It, it's not about just making 
um, decisions that seem good at the time. These are people who make a life out of trying to eliminate all kinds of mystery, including mystery from God himself. They're people who become masters of certain fields, especially religion. They have an answer to every question. And if you offer a challenge to them, you are immediately rebuffed. Their security is built around a mastery of knowledge that they have accumulated. This is how they find worth as human beings, that they know things. Now, in contrast to the wise and the understanding, children live by a relational knowledge of their father, their parents. They don't live by mastery of subjects. That's not where they find their worth. They find their worth in relationship and knowledge of being loved. At their most innocent children, they remain curious, knowing there's always more to learn. And they learn best in a relationship of love. So the kind of education that is intended by Jesus isn't directed at an abstract doctrine or an interpretation of scripture. It's to be an education of the heart, the inner being of our lives. So the doctrine that we are supposed to learn as Christians is a person. And there's always more mystery there. Now, the difference between the wise and the understanding and little children, it's a relational difference. Little children know they're dependent for everything. So Jesus says in, in his invitation that we should take his yoke upon us and learn from him. That word learn, word learn for him from him means to be a disciple. It's the same word as disciple. It's following him, learning from him. Now, one quality of a yoke, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, right? One quality of a yoke in the ancient world when you use these yokes to plow a field is that it's designed for two. Jesus is inviting us to tie in with him and a yoke. He's the perfect child, and we are to learn to be a child of the Father by being yoked in with him. Now, notice, too. The way that this dependence challenges the human striving for independence. Jesus is telling us that even to find real rest, right? Jesus says, come to me, and I'm going to give you rest. Ironically, to find real rest, you still have to take on a yoke. Rest is not found in complete, utter independence and freedom for responsibility. It's not found by just having nothing to do and no one to serve in life. Jesus is saying to us, a man must always serve some master. And the secret to happiness and freedom depends on who that master is. We're dependent. We are always dependent on, as human beings. And the secret of finding real rest and freedom is who we choose to depend on. So take my yoke on you, Jesus says. Become dependent on me, for I'm gentle and I'm lowly in heart. Jesus is not the kind of plowing partner who's going to drag you violently all over a plowing field. He understands the sorrows and the burdens that are ours as we strive to please the Father. Jesus understands our shortcomings and he understands our weaknesses 
And Jesus stops to rest when we need rest. He's gracious. He's lowly. Did you hear the passage in Zechariah as well and in the psalm that he is kind? It says in Zechariah, actually, that we are prisoners of hope. So in some sense, as Christians, as people who follow Jesus, especially in the season that we're in right now, we feel imprisoned by this time. We feel that there's no way out. But actually, we are prisoners of hope. There is a way out, and it's in Christ. The rest that we need is in him. Being a child of God means dependence. It means ongoing dependence for all of our lives, no matter how old we are, young we are, and energetic we are. But within that dependence, like Jesus, the perfect son, we also find something else. We find security. You know, Jesus found himself rejected, as I said at the beginning. He'd just been to these cities where the Son of God himself preached and brought healing and sought to bring redemption, and he found himself completely and utterly rejected by them. Even so, what does Jesus do in that moment? He gives thanks to the Father. And he invites all people to come and enjoy the restful security that he enjoys as a son. So he's able to say thank you to the Father. He's able to say, I know you, Father, and you know me. And then he's able to extend that same invitation to all of us. Come to me, everyone who's weary, feeling rejected and burdened by life. Come to me, and I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Now, there's a section of the passage that would seem to us to be exclusive. Jesus says this thing about the Father only reveals things to those to whom the Son chooses to reveal. You remember that part of the passage? It would sound as if Jesus is being exclusive, as if there are only certain people that he's going, willing to reveal these secrets to. But here's what's amazing. is right after Jesus says this, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Here's the secret of that section where it seems like Jesus is being exclusive. Jesus can only reveal his rest to those who are willing to come to him. He's willing to reveal it to anyone, but he can only reveal it to us if we're willing to come. You see, there is a part of this relationship with God, with the Father, where we have to be willing to come before him as children, where we have to be willing to lay aside the burdens that we carry and offer ourselves to him as little children, where we, will not, we won't remain stubbornly independent anymore but we give ourselves over to Christ and we trust him to give us rest. So Jesus, he's the perfect son. And in this section, he's inviting us to find rest with him by becoming children of the father with him. And what that looks like is becoming people who are fully dependent, no longer trying to find life and the secret to life on our own, but humbling ourselves, being yoked in with Christ and kneeling before the Father. And then within that relationship, 
we also find security. We find love. We find rest. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.